This Broadway Bullet unedited interview is brought to you by the School of Theater and Performing Arts at the University of Providence, uprovidence.edu, and the Dramatist Guild Fund at dgfund.org. One great thing about this podcast for me is I get a chance to sometimes make good friends in the course of these yeah. interviews, and I've got back here with me uh, two two old friends who I've talked to and worked with in different capacities, Carl uh, Reichel and Pete Mills. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Glad to be back. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I know one of the biggest things we're here that I'm here to help you guys celebrate, because I know how hard and you work with your theater company, is that you've now landed a three-year residency with uh, 59 East... 59 yes, theaters. Yes, 59E59 59 Theaters, which is at 59 East 59th Street. Um, Imagine that. Yeah, um, it's a great venue. Um, they have three different theaters in their building, and we've done a number of shows there in their 99-seat theater over the years. And Golden Boy um, the Blue Ridge. Yeah, including in, our show Golden Boy the Blue Ridge. Theater um, B. Yeah, but we are moving up to Theater A, which is the 199-seat um, theater. So we're going to be there each fall for the next three years. Twice as big as anything we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really exciting. And mm -hmm. and I know, you know the company has been, I feel like before I left, there was a big 10th anniversary mm -hmm. celebration. So that means we're heading into at least 18 years? So how long? <laughs> That's, There's yeah. different ways of doing so, the math. Um, we are considering the 1819 season to be our 20th anniversary okay. because we actually were legally founded in 1998. <laughs> But we didn't do our first show until 1999. So Spanning that season. Somewhere so, in there we yeah, turned so 20. We're, we're basically going into our 19th year of operations right now, and next year will be the 20th. So this residency is sort of a great uh, milestone and, and a stepping stone for us as we sort of move up to the next notch of off-Broadway. In, and not only does Pete put on a lot of shows with Prospect, but you've also launched... Uh, You've also been kind of the first one on many different writers' uh, mm -hmm. careers for putting up their shows. Do you want to give us a quick little name drop, crunch the floor, some of the... Yeah, I think, well, with, with Ryan Scott Oliver, was yeah. that his first yeah. New York... Yeah, we've sort of found our niche in terms of off offering sort of uh, the first New York premiere of work. Um, so, yeah, we, yeah. we did Jasper and Deadland, which was Ryan Scott Oliver's first production. Unlocked, Connor Unlocked, and Gregor. which is Connor and Gregor. We're doing The Mad Ones by Kerrigan and Loudermilk. Um, yeah. Uh, we did uh, Tomorrow of the River, which also has a cast album out, which was uh, Marissa Michelson and Josh Cohen. Um, gosh, uh, <laughs> we did the New York premiere of Long Story Short by uh, Brendan Milburn and Valerie Vigoda. So, yeah. you know, we the company really started as a way for Pete and myself uh, and some of the other founding artists to create an artistic home for our own creative development work. Um, mm -hmm. But... We found that the way that we can serve the New York City uh, and the musical theater community is by providing a place for a lot of different emerging writers and emerging artists creating uh, exciting new work. And early on, we produced all kinds of things, but our mission gradually became focused on new musicals because that seemed to be where the most excitement was. Mm -hmm. And it sort of came to us that this was our mission yeah. to do new musicals. But yeah. And speaking of new musicals, you just had a, a pretty big engagement yourself. Yes. You talk about the, 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 the engagement that is finishing up right now? Yeah, this is the closing weekend for the Honeymooners at Paper Mill Playhouse. Very exciting that it uh, 
finally became real. Yeah. This is a show that I'd been involved with. I, I know it's at least seven years, but I think we had maybe the first workshop of it in 2010. Uh, so it's been a long time coming, uh, but it was really satisfying and exciting to finally see it. seven years for development on a major yeah. production. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's been, it's been doing tremendous business out there. We were just talking about this before. They, Did they, you they, say it was they, at Papermill? Uh, yes, Papermill yeah. Playhouse. Yeah. Yes, I, I got yeah. that in there. Yeah, cool. Um, well, it'll probably be closed by the time this yeah. podcast uh, yeah. sees later day. But anyway, uh, really happy about that. So you, I mean, you always struck me as like one of the hardest working writers in musical theaters. I, I know at one point you were like on a schedule, you were writing a musical a year, not just writing, but then producing it, mm -hmm. uh, at the very least with Prospect, if not someone else. Are you still on that madcap schedule? No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, and it has to do with kind of... Uh, Things that happen both with um, my own career and also with Prospect, the yeah. idea that uh, for a long time we were, as you said, doing a new show of ours, something that Carr and I would create yeah. almost like, every year. It was we would basically like from 2000 until about 2010, 2010 we were doing one new show, and every they were year. equity showcases. <laughs> uh, so there was less of a financial commitment to doing them that way. A lot of times we would announce them and program them before yeah. they were even fully written. Yeah. Now that like every production that Prospect does is com comparatively so huge, yeah. we tend to do things that have had a longer developmental process. Um, Just it, it, not only for artistic reasons, I actually really, I kind of wish we could still like, <laughs> you know, have the we resources do sometimes to miss do it. it. Well, because I, I do feel like I'm, I'm not, convinced that a seven-year development process is yes. best for a musical. And we yeah. try not to do shows, you know, we try not to extend a development process that long, but, um, you know, maybe not quite as fast as we used to churn yeah. them out, but, but um, yeah, it, it, as the budgets of the shows have grown, it's become harder to kind of yeah. do as many projects. Um, so necessarily there's more time to develop them because we need more time to raise the money and find the theater, et cetera, et cetera. So. And we mentioned 2010 being the year uh, when Honeymooners had its first workshop. Yeah. There was, that is also kind of concurrent with my slowdown. In that yeah. There's a been a long period where I was sort of on call yeah. for the Honeymooners, not knowing if, like, is, is something going to happen with it this year? I have to be, yeah. be prepared to drop everything and do the Honeymooners. So it became harder to, like, fully dive into other projects. Um, but we, we've still been doing new things. During yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah. the, the ideas are still coming at at least one good idea per year. So now now the situation is that we literally have a, like an idea list that's about seven years long. And I mean, we've done a couple of other shows in that period. Yeah. It's not like we haven't done anything since 2010, but yeah. um, uh, we actually had a really exciting, uh, the most recent show that we premiered here in New York, we also got to go to Italy and do performances over there and develop it over there. So like we've, we've kind of been exploring different models for how we're making work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we do have a, right now like four or five different projects that we've kind of started in various mm -hmm. stages. And um, some of them we have some funding for, some of them we're looking for funding to further develop. But, uh, you know, there is, there is a little bit of a backlog of things we're excited yeah. about. So I understand. I believe some of your shows are now published and ready for other companies to do, right? 
Um, yes, definitely. Illyria is, say, is published. And Illyria that one, is a great show for theater groups of all varieties. Yeah, and actually just, I'm tr trying to remember, was it 2016 that was the big Shakespeare anniversary? I there think was, so. There, there, there were, were a, a, a Yeah, there were a whole bunch of productions in this important yeah. Shakespeare anniversary year, which I think was, was 2016. It was the... Was it 400th anniversary? Yeah. I don't want to get this wrong, but it, yeah. of his of his death, I think maybe. Yeah. But we noticed that that spring yeah. there were like maybe four yeah. different Illyria productions it's, that were happening uh, at the same time. That one is licensed through theatrical rights worldwide, mm -hmm. and we're also looking back at that project now because um, we're interested in with Prospect. We're actually interested in doing some more possible touring or other, um, you know, going to international festivals and things like that. So we're trying to develop a an actor musician version of that show. Um, which we did a workshop of this past spring, and it works really well for that material. So it's not quite the John Doyle style yeah. of actor musician. Yeah. It was we, you know, sort of had in mind a little bit more the way that Fiasco had adapted Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We're, we'd love to be able to like get that back on its feet at some point because it was really fun to do it with a group of uh, super talented actor musicians. Yeah, and two other shows I know have good kind of audiences. Let me, if I don't know if they're available or not, if they can contact you. But I still, at my at my university, for a rural community, mm -hmm. I mean, um, your Golden Boy of the Blue Ridge is a great production uh, that you know involves kind of like folkish type music or country folk uh, yeah. that I think would be great for like a lot of rural communities. Uh, for strong communities with a lot of with a lot of Asian actors, your honor mm -hmm. is amazing music. Are those available for people to do? Um, in the case of Golden Boy, the Blue Ridge, it's not published, but it's been done several yeah. times since uh, various places around the country uh, since the yeah. initial production. And I think that's in large part because there's a good cast recording yeah. of that one. That really helps people like find out about a show and get excited and want to do it. Uh, in the case of Honor, I don't know if anyone but Prospect has yeah. tackled Honor. It's yeah. such a big production. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a but maybe they will after listening to this. Yes, there's a cast out for that too. Yeah, no, actually we we'll be right back to this interview in just a second. Special thanks to our travel sponsor. Our travel sponsor for this podcast is the University of Providence School of Theater and Business Arts. Learn the art of being an artist as well as the business of being an artist in this unique program at the University of Providence. Find out more information at broadwaybullet.com or at uprovidence.edu. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Writers need a full community of support in order to do their important work. That's where DGF steps in. The Dramatist Guild Foundation, DGF, is a national charity that fuels the future of American theater by supporting playwrights, composers, lyricists, and book writers at all stages of their careers. They do this by sponsoring educational programs, providing emergency aid to writers in need, and offering a free rehearsal space where I've recorded this episode. For any questions about how DGF might be able to help you, please visit dgf.org. And now, back to our program. Actually, we, you know, <laughs> <in> honor, <laughs> about one year ago, we did yeah. sort of an encore concert with the National Asian Artist Project here. Um, Prospect has also started a, a concert series at the Time Center here yeah. where we do sort of large-scale one-night concerts. And um, it's as we've grown and the budgets for doing a full production have gotten bigger. Sometimes, um, you know, our cast sizes have generally gotten smaller and honor was written in the day when we were like 
bring the whole family. You know, we had like almost 20 people in that cast. So, <laughs> so it was great to have that reunion concert. And everyone after that was like, we, you know, where, when are we doing it again? Where is it happening? So we'd love to see that be, be uh, produced again. And pretty much any of our shows that are not actively still being written, we are happy to have mm. um, licensed and performed at um, regional theaters or schools or community theaters. And people just need to get in touch with our agent through Pete's yeah. website. I also think I think about the time I moved away from New York. You also won a big deal writing award. I think that was that same year, twenty ten. Seems to be our watershed year. That was because I remember it was yeah. the same year that we did the first yeah. honeymooners That's workshop. That yeah. that was the Kleban yeah. award, yeah, which yeah. yeah, definitely is one of the the big ones, and yeah. was really excited to get that. That's, yeah. So maybe some theater producers out there can go log in. What is it? PeteMills.com? Uh, PCMills.com. PCMills.com to, mm-hmm. to go see some of these wonderful gems to produce, because they are. They're good. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I have I saw Golden Boy of the Blue Ridge and loved it. I definitely got really familiar with Music for Honor tracking it for you guys yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> in the studio and, yeah. and Illyria, and, there, and there's other shows on there that I... Yeah. The one that I, the one that no one has really um, done yet, but I would love to see done, um, is a show that we wrote called Evergreen, which is our sort of alternative, environmentally conscious holiday <laughs> show um, that is written for a, a six adult performers and a expandable ensemble of youth performers. Oh, so, yeah. and it has been done as both a reading and a fully staged show, and you can have a con, you know, you can do it sort of in a concert style, or you can do a full production, but. Um, we'd love to get that one out there as well because it's our, our one show that we've sort yeah. of written for young performers as well. Yes, yeah. and now I understand that you are part of the Ivy League <laughs> as, a, uh, as educating young future theater creators. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, for a semester at least. Uh, we, we are um, very excited to be teaching a course, a uh, musical theater course at... Princeton University, we are, uh, they call it their atelier program, and the idea is to get working artists in a in particular field to come and teach a course for a semester, usually involving the creation of new work. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. We're the we're the working artists who are mm-hmm. who are there. Uh, so what's doing the specific things. class? What are, what are you guys doing with the students and at at Princeton? Well, this is this uh, Princeton. Yes. Drop yes. It, drop so it this is know. actually part of a bigger university initiative, um, and I don't I don't know how it, th- this is all going to be revealed in a big symposium at Princeton next uh-huh. month. But the university has actually been doing a lot of examining of its own history. Um, so there is a big uh, research project that the history department has been doing on the history of Princeton as it intersects with the history of slavery in America. So we're actually this course. The other thing Pete didn't mention is that. It's typically an arts and humanities interactive course, so creating mm-hmm. art about humanity. So in this case, we're guiding the students through writing theatrical responses to all of this historical research that the university is sharing at this big symposium that's happening next month. And actually, Toni Morrison is coming and giving the keynote address, and then our students will be having their presentation in January. And the, the, the cops are coming to get you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's really challenging because... Uh, you know, I think one of the things we believe with Prospect and as artists is that, you know, musical theater has the power to engage with really powerful subjects. And um, our country is dealing with a lot of um, 
examination of its history of race relations right now. So that's really what the class is about. Using we're teaching musical theater, but using it to engage with this humanity as a response history. to yeah. the history and respond yeah. to history. So yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing with your progression of uh, prospect that you have a lot of advice for people who might be thinking of getting their own company together or or in the early stages of the company and wondering how to move it up to the next step. So I'm kind of curious some of your like your nuggets you've picked up, mistakes you've made, wonderful discoveries that you found <laughs> yeah. to move things along. <laughs> I think this is a Kara question. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I mean, you know, one thing because uh, people do ask me this a lot. Yeah. And, you know, so now you can tell them to come <laughs> listen to the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> It, you know, I think, well, one of the things um, that I, because a, a lot of people found theater companies, you know, they're college yeah. friends or they study theater yeah. together in grad school and they come to New York and they start a company and, um, you know, a lot of times it's actors who want to create shows together. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons that Prospect has succeeded and lasted is that, um, we weren't just an ensemble of actors. Um, we were, you know, the, the initial artists who founded Prospect. You know, amongst us, there was a writer, a director, a, a manager, someone who was specifically interested in theater management and got a master's degree in theater mm -hmm. management at Yale, um, a technical person, um, so and a marketing person. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the company, um, we definitely went into it with a long-term view, but... Um, uh, it wasn't necessarily about just serving any one person's, um, you know, artistic creative push. It was more about creating a community and a place that a lot of people could work. So I think one of the things that has sustained us is that we, from the beginning, involved a lot of different artistic voices. Um, and so if there were times, you know, I, I look back at the history now and there are definitely cycles where I could go like, oh, that was this yeah. era of prospect, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that uh, I think is really a good piece of advice for anyone who wants to start a company is not to feel like you have to get stuck in any one mold. Because, you know, we've gone through a lot of changes over the past couple of years and we're even changing into yeah. this new residency now. And and um, just knowing that if you're going to grow and evolve as a human being, your company and your artwork is also mm -hmm. going to change. So, so I think that there have been moments where we sort of, you know, locked into like, oh, this is how the company works. This is who we are. This is what we do. And then something sometimes internally, sometimes externally has, has shifted. Um, you know, I mean, the economic downturn yeah. in, in the 2009 year was a huge thing. And I think if we hadn't you know, gone back to like, why are we doing this and what do we want to do now that there are new circumstances? Like, if it had only been about like sticking to a formula, then we probably would have just quit. But the fact that we had a clear mission <laughs> and yeah. we could sort of evolve what we were doing to continue serving the mission, even though maybe what we were doing was slightly different. Um, so, I do. Uh, that yeah. is an important thing. I've heard that several times too. Flexibility. When you write, yeah, flexibility. And when you write your mission statement to, Leave a little wiggle room in it, not make it so specific yeah. that it can't, that the programming yeah, and can't evolve. your mission evolve. statement, you can re-examine it yeah. and, like, change the language yeah. as, as your company grows. I mean, I know our, the first draft of our mission statement when we had just graduated yeah. college was, like, extremely yeah. academic and very, <laughs> like, you know, um, 
I don't know, I think a little more heady than we were doing a lot of like German plays at that point. We did like Danton's Death and Honest Man. Yeah, at the beginning we did a lot of classic plays and a lot of, you know, and we did a couple new plays. And then we just realized that like the things that we were having the most success with and that people seemed to need the most in terms of the New York theater community were producing new musicals. And so then about five or six years into the company's lifespan, we decided you know, hey, it seems like the musicals thing is what people really need support for and are interested to come see. So let's work more on that. And um, anyway, so I think just having having a, a clear um, guiding reason why you're doing what you're doing and not being afraid to let how you're doing that and how you're serving that mission change. Um, you know, if you don't have as much money or you have more money, you know, um, and also allowing people to allowing people flexibility. So um, I think that people have to be able to come and go, right? Yeah. Like doing a certain thing at a certain point in time might be really useful for someone's career, but then they may need to step away and yeah. focus on something else. But that doesn't mean that they can like no longer be a part of the group, mm -hmm. right? So having a kind of open community and a flexi flexibility, I think, is what's been the key to our survival. And also that the company was sort of um, formed with some really strong personal relationships at the center. Yeah, yeah. So we're all still friends as well as uh, colleagues. Well, it is exciting that you get to do so much work with new musicals, because I think part of the reason there's such demand for it, as you're talking, is the economics of doing musicals in a small independent theater are not good. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean as, as from what I understand, for the most part, independent theater, the 99-seat houses, are on a model of how little can we lose, not yeah. how much can we make. Oh, yeah. and, and And so with a musical, that... How little we lose is a much greater number because uh -huh. the seats are still fixed and there's more people, uh -huh. and it's just a bigger cost. So how do you how how does that work for you? How how hard is it to to keep going and producing such wonderful? Because you serve a vital force here in this town, uh -huh. giving giving productions to yeah. To I think that is artists. actually you know I was thinking about this mm -hmm. this morning um, because we really need to. I think there's there's a hugely robust community of people uh, making musicals, and there are very limited opportunities for those people to actually see their shows produced. Yeah. And I actually had a, a very frustrating conversation yeah. with a, a a large foundation last week because um, I had written a grant proposal to um, asking for a substantial amount of money. Um, this was a foundation specifically targeted towards supporting early career artists. And, you know, the feedback I got was like, oh, your your application isn't eligible because it looks like your artists are too advanced. And I was and they were we had this back and forth and they were like, well, it says this one project you're looking at doing. The writer's been working on it for six years already. That doesn't really seem to be new. And I'm like, you have no clue how long it takes to like put a piece well, together and to raise the money. And there is it, like so. a no man's land in producing where you can put on a showcase. Yeah. There, there's kind of a model that works for putting on an equity showcase. Yeah. But then when you get into this middle area where you know, you're on different contracts yeah. with the union, it's still really expensive for a company like uh, prospect to, yeah. to, to produce at that level, and yet you're not one of those big institutional theaters yeah. that has their millions coming in yeah. from who yeah. knows where. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, you know, we've always just found a way, and I, I do think uh, 
as we get bigger, it is it is harder to find the resources yeah. to do those full productions because, you know, we used to be able to do, like, a great equity showcase production yeah. for $75,000, and now, you know, a small cast off-Broadway production is 300000 So <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's just a much different scale of the amount of money. And, yes, you're maybe making yeah. more at the box office, but the whole thing is going up. You're still yeah. needing to raise, you know, even more money. So. I hope that as we grow and continue to bring in more audiences, I mean, this is coming back to the residency of 59th, 59th, the, the opportunity, we're going to have literally almost three times as many seats to sell yeah. for our production. So that's not only great because more people can see the work, but I, I think, you know, what I was saying about having a, a large community, not only of artists, but like audiences and supporters, uh, donors, are, yeah. is really important. So where we are right now is we really need to find that next group of funders who can come in and like back us, um, uh, you know, and the one, one of the things Anybody that I... Anybody listening out there? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, we, we also have to figure out what um, a lot of other... I, I will say it is hard for theaters to do musicals no matter what their size, yeah. just because like um, they need you need more things. You need to hire more people. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, the budgets are bigger and you're not necessarily going to charge. Yeah. You might charge a little bit more at the box office, but not like twice as much. Right. Yeah. So um, I think figuring out um, a lot of other nonprofits that are larger have gone to sort of commercial enhancement partnerships. And I have some mixed feelings about that because while I see it as great when two people can come together and share resources on a project, like there's also this, there is a very different idea of like why you're putting money into something and a commercial theater implies you want to make money off of it. So there's like a whole different agenda that comes into the artistic process. And, um, I've been thinking a lot about like what what are are there innovative business models and what things that we can tap into to develop a you know sort of an ongoing fund to actually produce new work because you know there are so many shows that deserve to be produced and it's just tough mm -hmm. so uh, but we're gonna keep doing it <laughs> yeah. So what's I know Mad Ones is going on at the opening very yeah. soon at fifty nine East fifty nine. Yeah, the first preview of Mad Ones is November seventh, and it plays through December seventeenth and potentially longer if we end up extending. Um, so that's our first big show at fifty nine fifty nine, and um, the uh, yeah, that's <laughs> you know underway we go into tech in a few days uh wow. and then this spring um we actually have we're gonna do another slightly smaller scale production that's happening at the new art new york mezzanine theaters which is this beautiful new facility over on 50 i think it's 53rd and 10th or 54th mm -hmm. and 10th um and uh we're doing marissa michelson uh and jason groat's musical uh, 1000 nights in one day which uh, is based on Jason's play 1001, which came out a number of years ago. So we're excited about that. And then, um, you know, we're trying to figure out next season. Mm -hmm. Pete and I have a couple of shows we're uh, working on developing that we're probably going to do some work on early in 2018 once we get through this next big production. So we just actually got a NEA commission to do a show called The Hello Girls, um, mm -hmm. which is probably the next thing we're going to be most 
seriously working on since we got a grant to, yeah. to write it. So, you know, uh, it's rare that the NEA gives anyone a yeah. grant to do anything anymore. So yeah, we were joking. We said it might be the very last NEA grant. Yes, we'll we, we got the very last one. Knock on before they... that's not true. But, um, yeah. but yeah, why don't you give the elevator uh, the hello I'm going to say elevator. a controversial yeah. statement. I think uh -huh. our grant system is, I think our support of the arts is broken anyway yeah. compared to other countries. I almost feel like maybe it would be a good thing for the NEA to go away if only maybe it'll make more people scream. Mm -hmm. And to get something better, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we should get rid of support of the arts, but I do think our support from the arts is pretty pathetic already. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's yeah. so rare. You yeah. know, there are other places that we really rely on so much more. I don't think many theaters rely on those NEA grants the way they used yeah. to. So, I mean, but it's certainly nice that they gave us a you know, small grant to, yeah. to encourage yeah, us to Yeah, no, I'm very pleased for you guys yes. at the moment. That wasn't like a sour grape. <laughs> we, we love the NEA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it, I just have different feelings than a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know if that's best, but I feel like our governmental support of the arts is pathetic compared to almost yep. any other yes. sophisticated <laughs> nation. And uh, Well, yeah, it is amazing when you see the, like, the, the national theaters that yeah. they, uh -huh. they have over in Europe where it's... Totally yeah, we've recently actually this. So the Hello Girls. One of the things we're talking about is um, it's about the first women in the U.S. Army who were bilingual telephone operators. This who, is during World War One. During World War One. So next year mm -hmm. is the sort of centenary of um, the U.S. involvement and the armistice of World War One. And um, uh, this is this great sort of story, a la Hidden Figures or A League of Their Own. You know, where it was the they yes. were really the pioneering first, women, pioneering in a, women in a on the front. Male dominated field. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um, anyway, so we're we're writing a show about these women and because it's a bilingual story, we're exploring actors who can speak in both French and, and English. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been working with a group in uh, France and so we've been having a lot of discussions about like the support for the arts and France and, and the EU versus yeah. the United States, and it's been mm -hmm. really eye-opening to kind of see some of the different ways. And um, yeah, so uh, anyway, it's it's a much it's a whole podcast. It's a whole separate yeah. podcast about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, let me know when that's getting getting closer and it's been written and stuff, and we'll, yep. we'll definitely do another talk about that when I come yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. We shall <laughs> see. It's we're excited about it. So. <laughs> All right, well, do you have any other th shots you'd like to get out before we wrap this one up? And oh, gosh. We missed wait, out of all the wait, we, did, we determined that I don't need to plug the Honeymooners because this well, will be yeah, out yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, Anna, maybe might be coming back someplace, yes. maybe, with any luck. Always possible. It's always possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is, this is great. Yeah. And, um, you know, we hope to keep in dialogue with you and yeah. with everyone and, uh, visit prospecttheater.org and you'll always know what's up uh, next on the boards for Prospect. So. Yeah, prospecttheater.org, pcmills.com to yep. check out some great musicals for your companies buy, out there. Buy some sheet music. Yeah. yeah. yeah you get some great songs uh, <laughs> for auditions, great songs yes. for uh, for shows if there people are doing, if you're doing theaters doing a cabaret night. Yep. Um, like the Cleveland Award winner, proven, <laughs> really, a, uh, a really uh, not much longer, but a real hidden gem that I uh, have been pleased. I'm pleased to see both of your stars rising. It takes a lot of persistence. I think people just, uh, you know, <laughs> need to remember that it takes. Yeah, some... that's the, that's another thing about running a theater company: <laughs> just determination and you know, 
keeping at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's paid off. Yes. Thank you guys Thanks. so much for coming in. We'll Thank you. check in Thanks again for soon. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Cool.